are back. Welcome in to the debut episode of Keeping Up with the New York Jets, the NFL's premier reality drama series. New show. Uh, alongside Teddy Pristash, I am Blake Pace. Out with Chasing 69. We've grown up. We've matured. We've got a new show <laughs> on the block, something that is age appropriate and feels comfortable to share with your friends and family. Um, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at K U W T N Y J. I will get that down at some point. It's kind of the same abbreviation, taking a little spin off from the Kardashians because the Jets really are the Kardashians of the NFL. I mean, there, it's just always drama going on with these guys. We thought the name was fitting, thought it was the time to make the change. Great to start off the offseason uh, talking all this stuff. Teddy. It's been a couple months now since we've done this. Uh, excited to be back. How are you? Are you excited about the new name, the new show? Talk to me. Doing good, man. Doing good. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to, to dive back in. You know, the Jets really made me just hate thinking about them the whole end of last season. But, but you know, I'm ready to ready to recommit to them, ready to dive back in and really give it my all. Um, and, yeah, excited about the name. During that intro, I kind of thought you were going to say, uh, keeping up with chasing 69 just because like <laughs> it was I'm so used to hearing you say that but uh no it's good the name chasing 69 was a name that I came up with and we decided to go with it and immediately I was like we probably should have brainstormed just a little longer <laughs> you know <laughs> we probably could have come up with something um but hey you live and you learn I enjoyed it it was great what did we do two years with it yeah um so yeah here we are keeping up with the New York Jets I think you know, I don't know. Not it's, much it, else will change, but it's exactly awesome. same show, but a much more fitting name, especially when talking about a team that and we'll go through today. I mean, today's podcast, basically, like, what have we missed in the last two months? It's yeah, all the best drama. reality show in sports. Exactly. New York Jets. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, Teddy. I there's so much to kind of go. Let's over. dive in. Let's get right into it. Um, I think some of the biggest things that we missed ever since our, our last show, our final one is Chasing 69. Um, you know, the big story and these kind of that have been so far out, so far removed now a couple months, we can kind of breeze through the big points of it because everybody else has probably already spent a ton of time talking about yep. it. But the biggest one that came out after the season or toward the end of the season was The Athletic dropping a massive hit piece, essentially doubling down on the piece they had published mid-season about all the turmoil going on within the Jets. You know, a lot of it centered around offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, uh, some of it being about Aaron Rodgers as well, too. And it didn't, you know, shy away from some Robert Sala and Joe Douglas talk as well, too. Um, you know, the big quote that was taken is, it's just such a fucking mess, which as we watch the season, you know, fall apart, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the biggest points that come out was, you know, if you want to hit one from every level, an anonymous AFC general manager came out and said that Joe Douglas was basically the assistant general manager to Aaron Rodgers, who was serving as the GM. We saw that play out last offseason with a lot of moves that were brought in, a lot of guys brought in that really didn't have an impact on the season. Um, there was the Robert Sala threatening to collect cell phones of his staff members after there were leaks coming out about Zach Wilson and his, um, you know, his inability or, you know, the lack of desire to come back and play for the Jets to finish out the season um, was whining about how he could potentially become Vic Fangio, you know, this other 
great defensive mind that, you know, head coaching career just tanked because of a lack of good quarterback play, kind of doing this whole woe is me thing before it was even really, you know, put on the market that he was going to be canned. Obviously, he's brought back for another season, but kind of a they painted it out to be a paranoid head coach. Um, if you want to just hit the other ones, you know, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, preaching how he was going to be Zach Wilson's big brother the entire season. As soon as the injury happens and he goes to California, there was basically zero communication between Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers when Wilson probably needed it most, jumping in to beat the starter for the majority of the season um, and a whole lot of stuff about Nathaniel Hackett not being prepared. Where do you want to start with this one? It was a big piece. It was 30 anonymous sources from players to coaches to front office guys to other you know, teams, what, you know, what are you yeah. going to remember with all this? You know, obviously there's a lot. And I think those three things you just said were kind of like the big, um, like, whoa, you know, like those were like the, the, the little snippets that were put out. Those were like the big kind of like, God, this was such a dumpster fire. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong. That's very fair. Like it was certainly a dumpster fire. As I was reading this article the first time, it kind of was just like, obviously, you don't love to read it, but it's like we did just watch this all play out, you know, and so it's kind of like all the things that we were kind of like, was that going on? Is that really happening? Like they were all kind of true, you know, or at least a lot of them. And obviously, um, you know, things could be like not everything maybe is as like good or bad as it was portrayed. But at the end of the day, when those things are coming out, like they were happening and we were watching them happen, you know? So unfortunate for sure. Um, I guess my, what like hits home with me the most is just the, um, I guess like lack of confidence that we or anyone can really have in the Jets coaching staff at this juncture. Um, I think we're in a really funny time period right now for the Jets because we just did this whole big offseason where, you know, we got Aaron Rodgers. We believe we were back. You know, we believe we're Super Bowl contenders, all these things. And obviously him going down was unexpected, but we reverted 100 percent back to what we'd always been, despite having a great defense, just a completely horrible offense. Couldn't do anything at all. Um, and that gives you pause when you think about bringing back Robert Sala, bringing back Nathaniel Hackett, you know, like if you can't have a functioning offense, you're not going to be able to be a successful football team. And I think that's what really um, at least like worried me the most reading this is, you know, the, the like lack of planning, lack of uh, involvement from Sala, which is expected, but also like when you're that bad, you need to be involved um Nathaniel Hackett like not meeting with his assistant coaches till late in the week not adjusting his game plan for different strengths and weaknesses of the other team and thing like that like those are the things that really worry you um again we're in a place with the Jets where it does feel like we've improved the roster it does feel like we've drafted well it feels like we've kind of like made the correct moves but then for some reason it's not working out on the field and all this shit showness, you know, clearly doesn't help. And that's kind of what like 100% needs to be addressed or else we're like, if it's as dysfunctional as it was this year, even with Aaron Rodgers, I would foresee next year kind of falling apart and everyone being let go, you know, so they got to figure out this type of shit. Um, but yeah, not the best article <laughs> about your, your team. And, and it was, what so I will say mm -hmm. 
real quick, if you compare it to the New York Giants hit piece that came out on Dable, I think theirs was a little worse. Yeah, but that's yeah. my one positive spin. <laughs> Dable was put under a lot of, and he, you know, it's so funny because there's a lot of honestly, the there's there's Jets. so many. You like can go the, ahead, but the there's Giants, so many of these hit passes that come out. The Giants get kind of like a an easy ride compared to the Jets, and maybe it's just like they've got two Super Bowls this century, you know, that they can kind of lean their yeah. head on and be like they they. But like, you're right. The Jets really, I feel like you hear way more of where the Giants are a worse football roster um, had almost as much turmoil between their coaching staff and front office this past year, you know, Dable and Wink Martindale not being able to coexist on a same coaching staff for more than two seasons, you know, one being a brilliant offensive mind, the other being one of the most brilliant defensive minds. But, you know, there was just, I, I feel like the giants get a little bit more slack. Whereas the jets, because they no, are for such sure. a joke of a franchise, maybe um, they just, it's easier to just keep picking on the the little brother. Yeah. The one anti like rebuttal I'd have to that as a jets fan, maybe, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but, but we do get a little hyped and every year we think we're going to be great, even though we're not always, it seems at least from the outside looking in, maybe the giants are a little bit at, better at tempering expectations. I'm yeah. sure they have delusional fans just like the rest of us, but maybe it's just like, they don't hype themselves up to fall on their face every year quite as much as we do. They seem to be more of like a professional organization, maybe at least in the fan base or yeah. There's or just like a even way just like you're carrying themselves. Daniel Jones to me was just kind of like, yeah, he's going to be all right, but he's not going to be like great. Whereas yeah. we are with Zach Wilson and we're like, he's going to be the best. He's <laughs> yep, the next exactly. best Mahomes for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like those little differences. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, the, the news that's been coming out of one Jets drive has not been positive. I guess the only other thing I'd say is, you know, and obviously results are the only thing that matters, especially when you're this deep into your uh, tenures like Sala and Douglas are. But if you're a losing football team, it's like you're going to come off like it's a clown show, you know, and you yep. need to be able to address those things. And and it's something we haven't really been able to address. And that's what we're all looking for from our, our GM and our coach. And I think the one kind of point of ease I have is like at least – you know, if they d blow it again, you know, they're not going to be here next year. And if they don't like, so it's like, you at least know you're going to get that answer this year, as opposed to like, are we, are we going to just keep doing this? Like, and obviously it's not what you want, but it at least does give you a little peace of mind of like, we're either going to figure it out this year or they're going to be gone. They've, they've been granted a one year redo simply because Aaron Rodgers blew out his Achilles on the fourth play of the season. Like that is, yeah. that is yeah. like the, the magical elixir for this off season and them still keeping jobs is the fact that there is still this one guy who could come right in and then they can point to a, you know, an 11 and six or a 10 and seven record next season and say, this is what we could have been last year. This is what we were expecting out of this situation. Um, you know, one of the things to then tra transition to something that was a little bit more recent, a lot of what was talked about was Nathaniel Hackett. And you pointed out to that lack of preparation, that lack of, um, you know, communication between the offensive staff and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, Miko Hardman, uh, now Super Bowl champ uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> um, he he got real chatty uh, on the Pivot podcast. Um 
basically just shitting on the Jets for a, a decent amount of time there, alluding to lies in the way that the team handled his role in the organization, lack of trust in both special teams coordinator Brant Boyer and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, even at one point texting the Chiefs general manager Brett Veach and Patrick Mahomes saying, come get me, which <laughs> Joe Douglas was asked about uh, today or yesterday when you're hearing this or this week when you're hearing this. Uh, and he was like, yeah, that, that sounds like tampering to me. Uh, which it very much is. So it'll be interesting to see if they pursue any type of investigation into the legitimacy of that. Um, I, I think Nicole seemed like he was pretty confident the fact that he was doing that. Um, now he did acknowledge he was pretty checked out uh, at certain points in the season there. And I think there was a whole bit of a change, you know, when you you're expected to be brought in for a specific role and and the punt returner and an undrafted guy comes in and kind of just earns the job over you. You know, it wasn't like me Cole was this big, you know, 11 million dollar a year wide receiver, you know, he's brought in 4 million and you know, he was supposed to serve a very specific role and and he got that role kind of taken from him. Um he didn't earn it. So, um what what did you think of him coming out and, and and really just putting the Jets on blast there? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because because clearly it wasn't a flattering like conversation for the Jets, but it, to me it did like it didn't seem like he was just like like fuck these guys, you know, like like it, it did kind of just seem like he was expressing what happened. And clearly has a lot of issues with Brant Boyer, the special teams coach. Um, but I, I didn't get to where I was like, man, fuck you, McCall Hartman. Like, you're such a dick. Like, it did honestly kind of to me just seem like he was kind of saying what happened. Um, and I think this McCall Hartman story and aspect of all this is pretty funny because, you know, basically what he's saying is, is you know, they were dishonest about his role. Right. And, and, you know, again, we watched this happen in real time during the season and we were very aware. McCall Hardman came in and was expected to be the starting punt returner and kick returner. We all knew that when they signed him, it was one of the reasons that they signed him that made sense. And for whatever reason, the Jets coaching staff and Bram Boyer specifically, it seems like trusted Xavier Gibson a lot better than, than he did McCall Hardman. Um, and we saw that immediately affect Hardman. You know, he's not playing offensive snaps. He wasn't returning kicks. Um, and very quickly into the season was basically just left for dead on the bench. You know, um, I don't particularly blame the Jets coaching staff in that aspect of it. Like, obviously, you want a staff that's going to be upfront with guys and going to, um, you know, not make promises that they don't intend to keep, but an undrafted free agent coming in and making the roster is not something that people are expecting. So to me, it does kind of just seem like one of those, it was a material change. We liked this guy a little bit better. Yeah. If, if you sign on to, to provide a certain role for a team, you still have to go out there and earn that role. You're still yeah, part of the 1, 53 that's competing for a job. And I think that was what started to piss off other people in the Jets when they saw this is, you know, legend Thomas Morstead comes out and defends his guy, Brad Boyer, says, 
Be careful getting information from disgruntled former employees. Getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. Entitlement is a killer of opportunity. You have to earn it every year. Sauce Gardner had a quote, Tweety then deleted it, yeah. kind of just being like, yep, sounds about right. Um, was it Garrett? No, 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 it was Sauce. Sorry, not Garrett. I don't. I didn't mean to say Gary. It was sauce. You said sauce. Oh, I did say it? Okay, gotcha. Good. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, kind of just coming to the defense saying like, you you lost your job. Understandably pissed about it, but the way that you're going about speaking is, right. is a little out of pocket. And, and so McCole Hardman then loses his job and admittedly says on this on this podcast he was on that he was like mentally checked out you know he was probably frustrated and once Xavier uh Xavier Gibson was injured they asked Michael Hardman to return kicks and he said no he said I'm not doing that and like to me that's where you lose all like credibility to me as McCall Hardman um just because it, it's like dude exactly what you just said like you're in the NFL like you would sign on to this team we're calling your number and you're not going to respond. Like, it, it, you know, it, it just really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, and, and like, this all happened so early. He was traded after we beat the Eagles. You know what I mean? So, like, the the season hadn't even become a dumpster fire by the time McCole Hardman was traded. Or, no, that's actually not true. It was later in the season. But he basically stopped, stopped playing. Um, but I walk that back. I, I don't think it was as early as I'm making it seem. Um, but my whole takeaway with Miko Hardman, right, is like this kind of goes in line with that hit piece, right? And, and people are going to take what they hear and run with it. That man, it, it really seems like the Jets have this like dysfunction in their coaching staff. To me, there were plenty of bad things in that hit piece that worry you, right? Miko Hardman losing his job to an undrafted free agent who performed very well in that role as a returner, won us a game in week one against Buffalo, like, and then getting mad about it, admitting he checks out and then getting traded. Like, that's not something that makes me think like, man, this is a dysfunctional, like, that is just like, a, sounds like McCall Hardman should have tried a little bit harder, been more willing to kind of like deal with things. You know what I mean? Like, I, I that doesn't connect to like all these other horrible things to me. The one part that does, because I agree, totally different situations is this quote about uh, Nathaniel Hackett, um, which is essentially yes. what we were just saying earlier. Quote, the offense is just like, we'll figure it out. It's Aaron's show. Let Aaron do what Aaron does. Then when Aaron goes down, it's like, we don't know what to do. Basically just saying what we all witnessed is as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down, there was no continuity in the offense. There was no preparation week to week. There was no adjustments made and thus the offense fell apart. So if we're doing the common denominator here, which we've said from the start and, and look, I was a big fan of Nathaniel Hackett joining the New York Jets. And I will still say to the end of this, if that is what got Aaron Rodgers to want to join the New York Jets, positive move. If if it is just the fact that Aaron Rodgers wants an offensive coordinator that will shut up and let Aaron do what Aaron wants to do, Aaron has earned that right in my in my respect. I likened it multiple times to when Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. He's running Bruce Arians offense. The first six weeks, they look flat. 
Tom Brady goes to Bruce Arians and says, we need to switch up the offensive playbook to what I know best. They go on and they win a Super Bowl that year. It's that simple. Yeah. If if this is the offense that Aaron wants to run and that's what brought him to New York, sure. I may have to walk back that I think he's a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> I, I'm okay to say that I was wrong in certain areas. I was maybe a fooled by the back-to-back MVP performances from Rodgers with him in Green Bay. Um, but... I got a I got a year to I I'll let let Aaron Rodgers make me feel better about Nathaniel Hackett next yeah. year. Um, but that this is clearly a huge issue for the Jets, not just in terms of this window right now, but like God forbid that Aaron Rodgers misses time in 2024. There's no way right. that they can comfortably think that Nathaniel Hackett can lead this offense in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that is where, like, like I think most Jets fans' frustration is, at least mine personally, is, is you know, basically the biggest takeaway from all of this, right, is, is the Jets went into the season and we're 100% Aaron Rodgers is going to help fix so many of our problems. And unfortunately, he got injured and that wasn't able to happen. Um, and, and so, you know, like you just said, if... And I say, if, if Aaron Rodgers is able to be healthy next year and he knows how to call the right plays and, and work with Nathaniel Hackett and get, you know, all different players involved and run the offense. If Aaron Rodgers is the de facto offensive coordinator and that works like, Hey, I'm all for it. Give it to me. We can keep Nathaniel Hackett. It just sucks to think like we have a guy who, if we don't have Aaron Rodgers, is not going to be able to be successful. And, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Nathaniel Hackett has put together two years in a row where the only possible way he would still remaining, like have an offensive coordinator job in the NFL is because of this situation with Aaron Rodgers. Like there's no other world where he would keep his job, like get a job last year and keep his job this year. So that sucks, you know, and, and if other people want to clown us for that and if it ends up biting us in the ass, like it, it, you know, Nathaniel Hackett hasn't shown us anything, but we're keeping him around because of Aaron yeah, Rodgers. The Jets like, deserve it. The if people yeah. want to shit on us for it, they are very much right yeah. to do so. Yeah. Um. Only last thing that I wanted to see. Did you see Kenny, our our boy, Kenny Yaboa, uh, in his comments about this whole Miko situation? I did not. Oh, great one. So he quote tweeted this, the Thomas Morstead tweet and said, I like this OG. And then someone replied and was like, hey, Kenny, how do you feel about me, Cole? Kenny goes, he's tripping out. He ain't talk about his own work ethic and how the Georgia Eagles got our game plan. Michael Hardman, Yo, Georgia athlete, yes. Eagles, and, full team of Georgia athletes. And this is what I thought you were going to say before Sauce Gardner tweeted yes. in a de now deleted tweet and you know he doesn't specifically say anything but he says like basically like and i don't even want to bring up that someone leaked our game plan to the eagles um basically blaming mccall hardman it seems at least which would be crazy very um, interesting it would be crazy if that was true and it's hilarious that if the eagles had our game plan and we're still able to lose to nathaniel hackett and zach wilson like that's hilarious hilarious um the the last thing again i know you just said that about mccall hardman just to circle back to the fucking um tampering thing so he says on his podcast he says i had talked to the gm 
I had talked to Pat, um, you know, the Chiefs GM and Patrick me. Mahomes and was like, come get me, you know, like, what are you guys doing? Like, come get me. And clearly that would be tampering if true. McCall Hardman, you know, puts out a tweet basically saying he had no contact with them, but said it very clearly on the podcast that that's what happened. Um, who knows what's going to happen with this, but if it's found to be true that there was tampering, we would get a like a, a compensatory draft pick. So that that could be awesome for us. You know, yeah, you, you, you definitely you definitely have to explore. <laughs> Thank you for talking shit on your podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And that like was you, what you Joe Douglas in his press conference today was he uh, his quote was was like, we took notice of that or like that definitely stuck out, to, uh, you know, something like that, where it's like, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting situation. And and still just kind of what started with the athletic piece ties a little bit together with the me and is just like, I think one of the things that we can do a good job from this point on is just acknowledging last year was an utter shit show. Um, it, it, sure. it f- completely fell apart from, from the very first second that Aaron Rodgers went down. We have no idea how it would have worked out if he was still there and hopefully next year will tell us the story and we can get a true evaluation. But, um, it, it was just a shit show. And like, that's, yeah. I think, I think yeah. we'll spend, a, we could spend a lot of time really harping on last year, but at the end of the day, I think we just have to kind of time to look ahead. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, um, just the only other thing I, I, I don't think we plan to talk about this otherwise, but the, the like grading came out today. Um, oh, I did have that. Like, I had that at the, the end. different types of facilities. Okay, I had this right, at the right. end. We can, I put we it can at touch the end, so back. we could touch on it there because I have a I have a right, do you perfect. care segment that we'll we'll just zip Love through that. at the end. Little tease. Yeah. Um, quick thing to go through. I don't think we need to spend too much time for it, but there were a few changes um, on the front office and coaching staff. Rex Hogan, um, assistant general manager, was was let go from the uh, Jets had previously been with the Jets in 2016, 2017, took a job with the Colts, then went back to the Jets, was basically Joe Douglas's right-hand man, apparently was the big name pushing for Zach Wilson to be the number two selection, um, had strong ties to BYU in the state of Utah as well, too. Uh, Samini had a, a quote in an article I was reading the other week, an executive from another team who knows Hogan personally theorized it may have been a factor in letting him go, uh, which is just it's funny to then be like, this guy likes Zach Wilson. So five years later, four years later, now we've yeah. decided to part ways. That's a hilarious quote too, because it's an executive from another team theorized. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's completely not they based do. in, in like not saying it's not true, but like that quote is just like, Hey, it could be a thing, you know, could be. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, number one, that blame still goes on Joe Douglas for like, if you know, I'm sure Joe Douglas also liked Zach Wilson and plenty of other teams also like Zach Wilson too. So if this is the one reason we, we fired him, I don't know if that's making yeah. a ton of sense to me. Exactly. Um, another one, a uh, director of player personnel, Chad Alexander, he left to be the chargers assistant GM. Not that it's, you know, changes are going to happen. And I think this is what you were saying when we were texting about this too, is like, if you're a bad team, changes are going to be made. It is tough to see basically the number two and number three in, in the pecking order of the front office, both gone in the same offseason. But hopefully the right shoes are are there to fill it in. And, you know, I still do at the end of the day. This was my thing. I would have been fine if they had moved on from Salah. I wanted them to keep Joe Douglas. As long as he's the top guy there, I still think giving him another crack this offseason to, to 
you know, right some wrongs on this roster um, is a good way to go about it. But it is a little shaky to see, you know, number two and number three both gone essentially in the same offseason. Yeah, what well, I believe I saw an article that described it as a a mass exodus. Yeah, um, <laughs> of the Jets, it's so dramatic uh, front office and coaching staff. But I mean, it's fair. It's a ton of turnover. Um, you can obviously point to all these like bad things that have been coming out and and believe that it's a factor. I also just think this was the type of season where you know a lot of people would have lost their jobs in other situations. It worked out where we wanted to have that continuity with the GM and the. Uh, coaching like head coach and offensive coordinator but that doesn't mean that they weren't going to make changes elsewhere so it's not surprising to me like regardless of whether it was people wanting to leave or letting people go um there's there was going to be a bunch of changes you know so yeah we'll see if that can help right some wrongs yeah and to the same extent on the uh on the coaching staff as well too uh rob calabrese was the quarterback's coach he took an offensive assistant job with the rams kind of seemed like a mutual parting of the ways at the time. I mean, it, I didn't, I can't say that, you know, with Nathaniel Hackett and a new offensive system in there, Aaron Rodgers basically running the, I don't know that maybe there was necessarily a strong connection between Calabrese and him. Um, but he now goes and joins LaFleur with the Rams. Now um, Mac Brown, he was an offensive assistant this year. He took the tight ends coaching job with the Seattle Seahawks and her new coach, Mike McDaniel. A um, couple other smaller changes, the jets, you know, uh, running back coach Taylor Embry. Uh, he took a running back's position with the New England Patriots. In comes Tony Dews as the Jets running back coach. Um, he was previously the running back's coach and tight ends coach with the Titans over the last six years to Mike Vrabel. And then a return from the Gase era, Sean Jefferson, uh, who was wide receivers coach for a few years in the previous tenure, is now back as the wide receivers coach for the Jets this season. So a couple of changes, couple of shifts, all seems to be on the offensive side of things, which is where you would make yeah, the changes if you were the Jets this offseason. So I, I can't say that I art can can disagree or argue with too much. It is so funny seeing kind of the culmination of the Titans offensive staff kind of taking form here. Uh Todd Downing, Keith Carter, now the running backs yeah, coach, I, Tony Dews. It's like we're just what what's up with Tennessee? Why are we taking all of their old castaways? My offense? well my only worry is like uh is is for for this running backs coach like I hope he just doesn't join the like Arthur Smith type of list where it's like how many jobs is Derrick Henry going to get people and for how long yeah. you know like yeah. him being like basically the best running back in the league and and crushing for as long as he has um helped get Arthur Smith a, a head coaching job probably gave the Jets uh you know ease of mind to say hey we can go hire this guy so so or we'll is Derrick Henry the new running back two behind Brees Hall? How about thunder and lightning right there for you? <laughs> that would be crazy, but I mean, hey, hopefully it would work out better than Dalvin Cook is our thunder and lightning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did try to sign the, did... the aging legend last year. It didn't oh, work out God. as well, but... No, Tractor yeah. Cito's built different. Yeah, I agree. He's the guy. Um, yeah, so that's, that's anything with the staff. I, I think those are pretty... You know, no, I'll be interested to see what they do at a uh, quarterback coach just because, like, it seems like Aaron Rodgers will have so much say Tim there. Boyle, and it, Tim, it's Tim Boyle, be, probably yeah. he'll retire. Well, it's gotta be and funny to get hired. 90% of the quarterbacks coach coaches that you're gonna hire are probably younger than Aaron Rodgers, or at least like within the, his age range and way less experienced in the way of the NFL, you yeah. know, like. I doubt you're going to be hiring a quarterbacks coach that's been around for 20 plus years. 
Um, so it's just like such an interesting dynamic when you have kind of that like Hall of Famer as your quarterback. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting. Especially at that point in his career where he's at the tail end. It's not like you're going to be, you're not right. tinkering too much with Aaron Rodgers' game at this point. Yeah. In his career. You're not changing his fundamentals. You're not no. having to work on footwork, like things like that. So, yeah. Um, I, I think the more fun note to look at is some of the roster changes that have either been leaked and aren't officially happening for a little bit or have already happened as well too. um lakin tomlinson this one did officially happen uh he was cut uh frees up 8.1 million this offseason um the former pro bowl left guard uh pro yeah. bowl for one season with san francisco signed a three-year lofty deal with the jets um it was kind of uh Look, they were looking to make moves and names, and he was the top available guard in that free agent class. He came in, and it was an up and down, but mostly down. Um, how will you remember the Lake and Tomlinson era? Yeah, not well. I mean, I remembered it with a ton of expectations that just seemed to be, you know, not met. Was he here for two years or, or three? Uh, this was his second season. Yeah, that's what I thought. I believe. Let me just and, double yeah, check. That was basically but... the problem with Lakin um, is the past two years, it, it's been, hey, we have this guy who's supposed to be solid, you know, and even after his first year, two years ago, um, you know, I remember you kind of were like, hey, I'm a little worried about this guy. And I was like, hey, you know, he's a veteran. I think he's going to be able to improve from what he put out uh, the year before. And honestly, it seemed like he was even worse this season. Um, yeah, this was a name I was, I was happy to let go. I was expecting it. Um, and I immediately enjoyed like all the jets reporters and media will just go out of their way to like make the jets look bad. And they immediately, I saw a few people just criticizing this move and it's like, dude, he's been so bad for two years. Like, why would we keep him around to be the starter? Just cause it's like, Hey, well, our line's pretty bad. And He's, you know, like I get it, but it's a, a try with someone else who's bad, you know, don't just do the same thing over and over again. At the money he was at, I get the move. Especially, of it. yes. I will yes. say there is something to be said about a guy that if you go back to 2018, 16 starts in 16 games, 16 yeah. starts in 16 games, 16, 17, 17, 17 for the Jets offensive line that dealt with 13 different combinations this year. Um, yeah, I do Get the That's fact of like trait. there is a guy that was out there all the time, but also when he was out there, it was pretty bad. I think what I'll remember is it, and I'll I'll try and remember this for free agencies to come. If you are a castaway pick and you land somewhere and you're still up and down, and then one of the greatest left tackles of all mm -hmm. time signs with your team and is next to you, and you go and make a Pro Bowl the next season, maybe you weren't that good. Maybe you just maybe just benefited from having Trent Williams at left tackle, yeah. and then that saw your rise up on the left side of the offensive line. That is that is one thing that I think when I was trying to talk myself into the Lake and Tomlinson signing because he was he was a fresh off a of Pro Bowl. He was considered one of the better options in free agency, but we just didn't look at the context of like, oh, how did this guy randomly just turn into? A legit, legit guy. Oh, yeah, sure. Brent Williams, Williams signed as his left tackle. That's what we could have been like. Oh, duh. Maybe, maybe we need a larger survey size or sample size right. of performance at a high level. And and don't get me wrong. Like, if if things had gone better around Lakin, 
over the past two years, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad. You know what I mean? Like, like you just said, we had 13 offensive line combinations last year. We've had Makai Becton, who's supposed to play next to him, get injured two years in a row. Yeah, Dwayne Brown get injured. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like, it's not like, it's not like he couldn't have succeeded. But now that we're in year three and it already hasn't worked out, like, like you said, at that money, it's time to move on. Try again with someone else. You know, so yep. that's what we're doing. Yep. And one of those names you mentioned is also no longer with the Jets too. Um, you know, four players uh, had their the rest of their remaining contracts voided. Um, that is Carl Lawson, Dwayne Brown, as you mentioned, at left tackle, Quentin Jefferson, and safety Jordan Whitehead. Um, they will count as $15.8 million against the cap next year. So I guess if you want to look at these moves along with the Lakin signing, you basically are, you know, hitting with a dead cap of around $7.5 million essentially for five guys that you're letting sure. go. Um, but these are names that, but you're saving money overall. Yes, you are saving awesome. money. You overall. have more money Definitely. to play with. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and these are guys that. <sighs> Jordan Whitehead's the only name here that you could say, hey, I, I would have maybe liked to keep him around. He's been yep. up and down, but decent as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Lawson, Dwayne Brown, like Dwayne Brown was healthy last year and, and... couldn't be a starter. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was playing swing tackle and, and things like that. Um, I He's going for retirement almost 100%. Carl Lawson, I mean, the downfall was sad, but completely lost all production. Um, and then Quentin Jefferson, another guy, didn't get a ton of burn. Um, so, yeah, fine with those. Yeah, I would have liked to have kept Jordan Whitehead around, but same thing for the money. I don't think it's safety, a non-premium position. I don't think the money that he was going to be working with, the remainder of the contract necessarily made sense. Uh, you know, I think yeah. that safety is a position where you can draft young or kind of take flyers on random guys. You don't need to be, you know, one of the highest paid safeties or on the higher end of being paid as a safety if you're getting up and down play. And I think... The biggest thing that I've learned from all of this is if you win free agency, you do not win free agency. And we've talked about this at a few different points, but this is like, like to me, the, the nails in the coffin here. Like this is if you are getting the best crop of free agents, here's the thing. Those are most likely the third tier of free agents to be available in the class because the first tier they get franchise tagged or maybe they get the first tier. You could say they probably get the long term extensions with their right. team. They get deals. Tier two gets at least the franchise tag. And then after that, look, man, there's a lot guys of money to go to around to 53 guys. Like there are guys that if you have a talented player, you are keeping them within your organization. That's why the Bengals franchise tag T Higgins. They may trade him, but they're at very least going to get something in return from franchise tagging him. The Colts came out and t- said today, they will either get a long-term extension with Michael Pittman or he will be playing under the franchise tag next year. You do not let good players outside of your organization because they are hard to find and it's a 53-man roster and you need as many talented players as possible. This isn't the NBA where you can stock load two or three guys and try and win a title. You need quality players at every single position. So we got really excited in that offseason. Lake and Tomlinson, Jordan Whitehead, we loved Carl Lawson. They were let go for certain reasons. Now, there are situations where guys can be available. That same Carl Lawson class, um, Trey Hendrickson goes and signs with the, did he sign with the Bengals? As the, Yeah, Bengals. he signed with the Bengals from the Saints. He's been great. There are those situations. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I think we need to 
as a constitution for us when we head into this offseason, if we patch together some you know, some bigger name signings and a little bit tougher with the cap this year where the Jets are sitting at, they've got a lot of money tied up to a lot of places, but we need to uh, remind ourselves that they are free agents for a reason. Yeah. It's almost, yeah, just, and there's obviously some good free agents, but it's like the teams that are number one on the who won the offseason for some reason are always still bad us, you know? Yep. So, so yeah, we can, uh, we can maybe not freak out so much when the jets don't get the, the number one guys in the class or at certain positions. Um, I like that winning free agency is actually losing free agency. I yep. enjoy that. That sentence. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, anything else with these players that are, that are no longer around? I know there's one bigger conversation. I think the most important piece for the jets moving forward in free agency but anything with yeah no i mean uh uh, we'll we'll definitely cover you know free agency and obviously the draft a ton going forward um but yeah just getting started with these voided contracts and guys getting cut clearing clearing up cap space um kind of getting ready for things to get moving yeah yeah and and i think as we look forward there's there's a few contract restructures that the jets can do to continue to free up more money i think the biggest names were cj mosley and then oh there was someone on offense that was aaron Rodgers is one where i think he's due like 17 million but i think it's another situation where they can basically just make it all a a signing bonus or like a gotcha uh and they can kind of or or at least they can move it around basically however they want so he they have a options and i'm not going to pretend to fully understand the cap because we all know the cap isn't real and it took a massive plenty jump. of options yeah and it took a massive big, big jump, jump this year um and and they have a lot of options to make things happen um and i i you know we obviously have holes on offense especially but i do still think this is a team that does have a lot of talent on it and it's not like we need to build you know from the ground up i do think there is still that core um you know, so I still definitely have high expectations that they're going to be able to piece together a couple decent free agents and, you know, fill out some of these holes. The offensive line yeah. is is going to be a big focus, and we'll see if they're able to add a receiver. They've been trying to add a big name there for two to three years, it seems. So, yeah, with the offensive line, it was it was interesting hearing Joe Douglas talk about it today um, when we're recording this at his press conference. He was like, "There's three ways where you can attack the offensive line: trade." free agency and draft. And I think we need to shorten that down to two because I don't know what situations guys are giving up quality starting offensive linemen. It was one of the biggest um, areas of need this entire past season. So many teams, it was like, what's their biggest weakness? The offensive line. It's like, there is a, there is a lack of quality depth and overall talent at that position. You really need to go find diamonds in the rough and free agency. You need to trust your coaching staff to develop guys and you need to nail it in the draft too. Now, thankfully, This is a relatively deep offensive line draft class, especially at the tackle position. The Jets are sitting at pick 10 and we have a we have two full months essentially to discuss how they can go about attacking that in the draft. Um, But I just I heard him say trade and I was just like, I don't know if we're getting quality starters in trade unless we are then giving up a quality position. Another team needs. Exactly. So, um, you know, I think, like you said, they're, they're trying to free up more room. And there are ways that they can do it just like every team can because the cap isn't real at the end of the day. But the biggest name that is going to kind of keep us just waiting around is is Bryce Huff, you know, which was one of the lone bright 
stories of this season. You know, obviously there was also Quincy Williams, uh, you know, at the linebacker position, some other guys, Joe Tittman coming along at the end of the year, but Bryce Huff's ascension into being one of the better pass rushers in football in terms of just pressure rate. The numbers were all great for him this season. Um, he is due to, to walk into free agency and the jets are going to let him. There's not a franchise tag situation for him. Um, Joe Douglas today in his press conference, obviously Bryce is an outstanding player. He deserves his opportunity to see where he is in the open market. The plan right now is to not franchise tag Bryce. There's going to be productive conversations with his agent. Um, the athletic then also reported today that his market could land in the range of 14 to 16 million per year. Um, which is which is definitely up there when you're a team that needs to add three pieces along the offensive line, wide receiver depth, um, you know, maybe some more pieces on defense outside of the edge position. One, where do you land of their approach with Bryce Huff? Because they did not try and pursue a contract extension with him this season, which to me was kind of not foolish, but I just didn't understand it because you know, I, I get Bryce maybe just didn't want to at all, but I would have at least made an attempt to try and keep him around um, and not let him test the market because there will be a team, especially with this jump in cap, where you can just say, fuck it. If he's the best name out there at edge, let's just go and and beat what the Jets can't match. Yeah. Um, Bryce has <clears throat> said he's not going to take a hometown discount at different points throughout this season. So, you know, what do you think of the decision and, and their approach to it? And then also, where do you land on the Jets? Do you want Bryce Huff? back next year if that's going to be the yeah. price tag no i mean i mean i think the answer there is yes uh, like obviously you know depending on what their plan is with offensive line and and signing wide receivers and all that stuff like maybe it's not in the budget to me though like my initial reaction to all the conversation around bryce huff was just like why are we just all assuming he's not like we're not going to be willing to pay him like Jermaine Johnson was awesome last year. Like Bryce Huff was our best edge rusher. Like I, I truly think that's true. Um, and, you know, he's been a guy, I think two years ago, he played under 20% of snaps this year. He's under 45% of snaps. Like he has been productive as hell and, and he does deserve to get a payday. You know, if a team's going to be willing to pay it, go get your money. Cause he he's been that good. Um, in terms of the approach, I mean, I would have loved to sign him in the, in the, uh, regular season as well you know I, I saw something today that basically the uh, you know rumored to the fact that Bryce Huff really just doesn't isn't all that interested in coming back to the Jets he wants to go somewhere where they're going to give him a bigger role he wants to go somewhere where they're going to you know play him more than 40 percent of the snaps and things like that which I think is fair that potentially is a reason why we didn't see anything happening in the in the uh, regular season. If he was just like, listen, like I want to test the open market. He's been that good that he is going to get his payday. Um, but I mean, I would love to have him back. I think he was outstanding. I understand we drafted Will McDonald. I don't think that like just because we drafted a guy in the first round, that means we shouldn't keep around this great player who just happens to be at the same position. Um and there was like initial speculation that his number would be a little higher than this, like around 20 million. If it's 14 to 16, perhaps that changes things and they are able to keep him around. You know, will they? I I would guess no, just based on what I saw today. Um, but uh, 
I think Bryce Huff has been outstanding. I, I like, I would love to have him back. Yeah. I, it almost seems like their approach is like, well, we, we didn't invest a high pick in him. So losing him for, you know, not, it's like, we got right. all this production, but at the same time, it's like, wouldn't you, don't you want to keep the guy that you molded? I don't know why. Yeah. Like him and Jermaine rusher? were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's only 25. Um, he he's a great great player like if the answer is just we're not going to be able to afford him then like so be it but you know like okay so we lose carl lawson we lose bryce huff okay so our starting edge rushers are will mcdonald and 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 jermaine johnson like all right will mcdonald better be able to step right in you know like obviously we're all rooting for that but to me bryce huff's not just this guy that like we should immediately dismiss as like hey you know, nothing. And Joe Douglas said today they had productive conversations. I'm sure he would have said that kind of regardless. Who knows how real that is. Um, yeah. But I'm certainly rooting for Bryce Huff to be a Jet next year because I think he's he's that good. Yeah, we, we just had this talk about how good players don't get into free agency. If we think Bryce Huff is a good player, just like right. letting him test the open market, it kind of just... I don't know. Maybe maybe the Jets just have faith in in their development at that position. And look, I trust the Jets' defensive side of things on the coaching staff and the player yeah, development sure. over there far more than I do the offense. So maybe they think that you know whether it be guys they bring in through free agency or the draft in the late rounds, because that's the thing too. It's like where we're standing right now. There's no second round pick, you know, with the Aaron Rodgers trade. So they're, they're already working with a, you know, they, they don't have one of their top premium picks in this draft class. They have to go heavy at offensive line. Like I'll be stunned if that first round pick is anything but an offensive lineman. And no, yeah, it's just like, you gotta, I, I would worry about losing a guy like that just for nothing, you know, just not being able to even get any, like yeah. anything out of it. I hope that that we start to see the narrative shift. I I do think Joe Douglas is a very like timing oriented guy and mm-hmm. like he's going to wait till that section of his calendar to be like, "Okay, yeah. this is where we're working on getting free agents," you know, and that's fine. Um again, I think Bryce Hall probably wants to go out on the open market and have these negotiations as opposed to just accepting a deal because he wants to, you know, this may be his only big payday, right? So go get your money. Um, but I am really hoping that the narrative changes from kind of like he's going to be gone to, hey, we're at least trying to get something done with him. Right. Um, I mean, he fucking balled last year, dude. He was, was so great. good. So good. Great. So. Interesting. Like I said, we've got a couple weeks until free agency officially kicks off. I, I was looking at the timing because it's like free agency technically starts on a Wednesday. So I was like, oh, great. Record a Tuesday pod to kick off the. But then there's also that 48 hour window where Monday to Wednesday, everybody's really like agreeing right, they to just terms. It. Like they've, yeah, they've, yeah. They've, they've, you know, they're Legal nearing. Uh, yeah, exactly. McCall so Hartman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mecole. That's when you can text uh, Brett Veach and Pat Mahomes. You fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, anything else on the Bryce Huff situation? You know, obviously you can always hope that there's that one, he's back, but two, that you can trust the development at that position. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where hit, but he, he's the, no, yeah, he's just, he's roster guy right now. Like when you look at the jets for this, yeah, season, he's like, been, the we biggest have to figure story, out Bryce Huff before anything else. Yeah. 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 
I mean, uh, yeah. look, as far as names already in-house, like there will be something where a restructure of C.J. Mosley or Aaron Rodgers frees up money, and then we can say, look, 14 to $16 million makes a lot of sense for the Jets. Right now, the way their cap is set doesn't make as much sense when you're trying to figure out the fact that there's a left tackle that is needed, there's a right tackle that's needed, there's a left guard that's needed. You know, they're saying with AVT, you know, the next position they put him at, you know, wherever he is playing in 2024, that is his position. They said that today. They're done moving him from guard to tackle, back to guard. Like, wherever he lands, he's going to be somewhere. So right now we know we've got AVT and we've got Tipman, and there's three holes on that offensive line that you have to sort of just piece together in the next eight months, which is scary for a 40-plus-year-old quarterback, but that's just where we are at this point. And so, like, that's, the that's yeah. to me, the big story of this offseason, but as far as in-house names go – Bryce Huff is like the clear guy that's like, is he staying no, or is he going? I think he's been the most intriguing, like roster related story, like through this kind of like pre off season period. Like that's what everyone's kind of been focused on. Yeah. Real quick on AVT. It's hilarious to me that like so many people have wanted to like make him changing roles and like playing like, like he's going to be pissed, you know, like, like they can't just keep flipping him around. And then today he's like, I truly could care less what position I play. Like I'm open to it all. It's like, that's a good fucking teammate right there. Yep, exactly. Cause he knows that if he's a guard, he's an all pro talent guard. If he's a tackle, he's close to an all pro level tackle. Like he's shown it both that yeah. he can be elite. Now, obviously if you're at tackle, you make a little bit more money, but we've also seen some guards make some big contracts. He also does need to just stay on the field too. You know, we don't want to, like we could say, that we've got no, ABT yes, and yes. Tipman, but it's like we've got three and a half linemen to figure out because we do need an insurance policy there on ABT after two very serious injuries to start off his young career. Um, and Tipman was a rookie too, so maybe we just need we need to sign eight offensive linemen this offseason. Who the fuck knows? It's it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, how they we got to sign Adolph. They. Sounded like you said Adolf. Oh, Adolf. Adolf. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Who, are, who the fuck are you bringing in? Need that Adolf guy. Damn. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, this last thing I was going to. All right. Let's through. play Do You Care. Yeah. I'm I was going to just ask you if you we should play about Do You these. Care a lot. Yeah. Like just these stories that. I, do you care that Brian, that Deion Dawkins takes a jab at the Jets defense, calls them weirdos that care about social media more than playing football? The big quote, there's people that play the sport just to try to be cool. I feel like they play the sport to try to be cool. Those are a bunch of dudes that just want to take pictures on Instagram. Meanwhile, he's sitting on this podcast, shirt off, titties hanging. Do you care that yeah. he's taking jabs here at the Jets defense? You know, not really. I like care in the way that like I saw it and I was like, hey, don't talk about my team yeah, like that. You, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. his biggest complaint was like shit talking Josh Allen, which it's like, yeah, dude, like we're playing football. Like yeah. we're going to shit talk your quarterback. Um, he doesn't like Michael Clemens. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm sure, you know, Jets fans don't didn't like Michael Clemens most of the year. So like that doesn't shock me. Um but the the whole like like to go after Michael Clemens and then call them weirdos that only care about social media and Michael Clemens just doesn't have social media and you know like uh Deion Dawkins like seemingly loves He's doing the podcast and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff it's just so easy like like Jets fans have just been ro running with it and roasting him which has been pretty funny I I, I, I I'm not too worried about that one just because it seems like we've won most interactions there yeah, yeah. And obviously it's the big rivalry. Sauce, Sauce getting involved, Garrett Wilson yeah. getting involved, everyone's talking shit, you know. 
Yeah, it's, it's good robbery. I'm exactly, it. exactly. And the Jets have stealing a, fu- a few from the Bills recently as well too. So there's a little like there's a little bit of back and forth yeah. there at least that you can say yeah. that they're they've got reason to hate each other. Builds up to a fun storyline for next year. Um, I don't care either. I I just to put mine out there. I don't really care. It's just a Deion fun one, I'd say. Fun exactly. Uh, Raiders GM Tom Telesco kills the Devonta Adams dreams. Confirms that. Uh, the star wide receiver will be a Raider for the 2024 season. Do you care? Um, not really. Like, obviously, it would be cool if we had traded for Devontae Adams. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I, I might be too early on the giving up on Devontae Adams train, but like the idea of signing these like aging receivers to be great with us just like doesn't really do it for me because I, I just yeah. assume it's not going to work out. I'm trying to think what the other name is. Devontae Adams isn't going to be available. And. Oh, uh, Justin Jefferson was floated out there for like 20. Oh, yeah. And there was. Yes. Yes. Which, by the way, Jets fans have just been like, oh, he's got Jets in his name. And they put a jet next to him. And it's like, yeah, that's his nickname. Um, But I saw a tweet that that was basically like Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson, both unavailable. Way to go, Joe Douglas. <laughs> That's not his fault. You know? They're not available. Like, yeah, yeah, what can you do? That's um, funny. So, no, I, I would love, like, we have Garrett Wilson, who I trust to be a wide receiver one. I would love to sign, you know, a big-ish name. I would love to get, like, a T. Higgins or a, a Michael Pittman, who both of those guys are probably going to be franchise tagged, like, would, or have already been franchise tagged, maybe. Yeah, basically. That would be those, sick. Those guys are staying. We'll see. But not getting Devontae Adams is is not the doesn't I'd say I care like two out of ten. Yeah, I just think it's to me the care is like we got Aaron Rodgers and we were like, oh, what former guys are gonna bring in? Obviously the big one yeah. is Devontae Adams, yeah. and, and we've been sitting here with, you know, Walmart, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. You know, I'm sure this all Devontae Adams will... bought back into the Raiders a ton too with uh with Antonio uh, Pierce. Antonio Pierce being that coach and stuff. So Yeah. And then uh I I mean we can just throw this in here while we're talking about like David Bakhtiari will be a New York Jet. Like when he gets cut from the Packers. Yeah. He'll be yeah. a New York Jet. Hopefully he he'll, can play more than one game. He'll be there. Um yeah, I don't care either. I think I agree. It not only just like would it have been very difficult to pay Devontae Adams his current salary and then also give up the right picks for Devontae. Like they would have been sacrificing basically every other plan for this offseason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't care either. It would have been cool to get them back together. Uh, but I, you know, it makes sense why the Raiders are gonna keep one of the best wide receivers, even though he's a little bit older. Um, the NFL, the NFL PA, that's what it is. NFL PA report card came out. Uh, the Jets were one of five teams to not receive an A, and whether that's an A plus, A, A minus in any category, one of five teams in the league. Do you care? You know, that's not ideal. I, I might be, uh, I might be like, like so beaten down by the Jets, but I think overall they ranked twenty first. I was kind of like, fuck yeah, like <laughs> right in the mid, like kind kind of average. Like we're not bottom five. Like like yeah, we're not top five, but we're not bottom five. We also, I would describe our report card as one that like, like you don't love, but it, it you, you don't hate showing it to your your parents, you know, like <laughs> I'm, we got all season B's like we're right in the middle, you know, there's no D's and F's on there. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't show so, so I didn't show my parents a single transcript from college, by the way. They never saw any of that shit for college. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean I, I yeah. I uh I um my big takeaway here was the head coach got a B, which I like to see um with everything that the Jets have been through the past couple or the past year, really. I think a lot of people just jump to like Sal is really losing this locker room. The culture is going away, all these things. That's never really quite been what I've seen. Like there's obviously been problems, but to me, it's always seemed like the players still did have a lot of love for Salah and a lot of like trust in him. And just to see that kind of be validated with that grade was good to see. Um, but other than that, didn't take away too much from this. I don't know how the grading process works, but there were two Salah things that he did grade negatively on. Um, only 72% of players felt like Robert Sala was efficient with their time. Uh, that was 28th overall in the league. And then the players feel that Robert Sala is somewhat willing to listen to the locker room, which was 29th overall. So those were two areas yeah. that I did see from like the full description he graded low on, but you're right. A B that was kind of my thought too. I mean, you guys were one above the Colts, the Colts are 22nd. And that a lot of that goes in like facilities and the market that you're into. Like there's only so much you can control yeah, the owner, um, you know, yeah, like exactly. he's never going to get a great owner grade. No, he got one of the lowest. I think I'm pretty sure. I actually think he got to be though. Oh, I thought he was pretty low sure. on the owner. I might be wrong. Um, be. But yeah, I never cared about that either. Um, the NFL, like what? It, there are some that every time the report so card comes out, clearly we don't care like, that much. <laughs> no, <laughs> there was one more thing that I did. Well, put the, on the here. Chiefs got thirty like, first. They just won the playoffs. They the seem Super to be Bowl. doing fine. <laughs> they are doing perfectly fine. Uh, one That's more really wild. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the Dolphins were the only ones that got A's across the entire board. Those motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, them. one more. Do you care? Uh, okay. Robert Sala, we've talked about him a lot. We've talked about his, you know, shakiness, whatever. Not really a combine guy. He he has skipped out on the combine, I think, every year oh, since he's been a head coach. So this is the first time he will be in attendance. However, he is flying in Saturday, skipping all the interviews, all the media availability. He will just be there to evaluate the players. Um, you know, is missing basically all of the stuff where you'd have to face the front of a, a camera. Do you care? Yeah, no, this is one of the crazy every year we do this. So many head coaches don't go to the combine. Um, so it shocks me that it's a story every year. Um, it's really funny to me, though, that everyone just like kind of did the rounds on like Salah's not going to the combine. And then today they're like, yeah, we decided to bring him. We're going to bring him to the combine. <laughs> like, that makes me laugh for sure. The way Joe Douglas said it, like, it, he was, like, basically, like, oh, there's, like, meetings and stuff that, you know, there's opportunities to meet people that we wanted him to be there for, you yeah. know, which may be true. Um, but, no, I, 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 I'm I, not – I will never care if the head coach goes to the combine because that is a thing that head coaches don't do very often. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Either. And all this their will... all their all the interviews they do with with recruits, with players, all of those things happen through technology with Zoom now. Like it's not like he is not going to be involved in all of the meetings and things like that. You know what I mean? Like if they're yeah. meeting with a player, Robert Sal is going to be there. You know, obviously not in person, but uh, I'm not, I'm not worried. So we went uh, four for four and do not care, basically to start this off. I think yeah. is, is what we've landed That's on. Good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. There'll be stuff I care about eventually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll, <laughs> when Bryce Huff leaves, I'll put that in the do you care, and you can say yes. 
I know. That's so I it's just weird to me that it's like everyone's just like, yeah, we're not gonna get him. You know, like he's gonna and that makes me think it's like he wants to leave, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the if the role thing is a is a true yeah, you know, statement, that makes yeah. a lot of sense because Salah is gonna go eight or nine deep and you know, yeah, that's gonna lower your ability. Yeah. So yeah, uh Teddy, that'll that'll wrap up the first episode of of keeping up with the New York Jets. A lot of drama. I think next week we'll be able to get into more free agency stuff, maybe take a look at one or both sides of the ball and and take a look at names that would be good fits. Um, And, and yeah, we'll, we'll crank it into the, the, um, the uh, draft season after free agency. This, this is, this is my favorite time of year. We always talk about it, but I I love the NFL. This is where the jets, this is where the jets can win. So I'm in. Exactly. So, That'll wrap a bow on the debut episode of Keeping Up with the New York Jets. Make sure to follow Teddy on Twitter uh, at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake. The show is on Twitter and YouTube at K-U-W-T-N-Y-J. Keeping Up with the New York Jets. We will talk to you next week. Peace.